You're listening to SM Media, the number one place for exclusive content. Hi everyone, welcome to a special episode of the Scottish Football Show right here on SM Media. I'm Scott McPike, it's an absolute pleasure to be your host as always. We are going to look ahead to this weekend's League Cup final, or the Premier Sports Cup final as it's rightfully known. Sorry to our Premier Sports for not saying them first before the League Cup, but obviously it's a, another busy game. It's going to be one of the, the highlights of the season, obviously Celtic take on Hibs at Hamden on Sunday. I would like to have a fan from each side of the the team, both teams to have a look at the final ahead. We're joined by for myself, it's State of Mind, Colin Watkins. It's a pleasure to finally welcome you on the show. Thanks for coming on. It's been a while, Scott. I do apologise, but finally we got here and it's what a showpiece occasion to be discussing there. Eh? Yeah, definitely. It's going to be a good one this weekend. We're also delighted to be joined by from the Long Banners podcast representing Hibs, Matty Fairney. Matty, it's a pleasure to welcome you on the show. Thanks very much for joining us. No worries. Thanks very much for the invitation. It's a lovely background you've got there. I said it before we started, it's better than the, the brown blinds that are actually there, but, uh, <laughs> we'll take this. <laughs> brown, obviously we'll, we'll get into both teams from a, a different perspective in a couple of minutes, but obviously we've got some midweek football to look back on, both Hibs and Celtic games. We'll start with the game on Tuesday night, Hibs took on Dundee, a 1-0 win, obviously our own goal from Paul McMullen gave Hibs the three points, the first three points in a while in the, the league. My, it was a big three points, obviously, and could that potentially be a turning point in terms of the league? Hope so. Uh, we've had a couple of false dawns recently. We, we went to Perth and beat um, St. Johnson, had a great performance, and then turned on a couple of horror shows after that. So uh, it's hard to tell with Hibs in the league. They're, just, they're capable of being brilliant, but capable of being awful as well. Huge three points, on, and uh, won it with one of the best own goals I've ever seen as well. <laughs> Definitely. What was it like? What, what's it been like recently? Obviously, league form kind of sandwiched in between the middle of a, a massive win in the League Cup semi-final against Rangers. It must have been a bit kind of mixed feelings, obviously. League form hasn't been good at all, but you've got this massive one at Hamden, where obviously the game was the game was pretty much one at half-time, and it was a pretty much rapid performance in that first half. Aye, it was a funny one because we, we'd had the COVID break um, mm-hmm. where we'd, we'd had a couple of games postponed uh, heading to Hamden. I don't think any of us thought that we were going to turn in the performance that we did against Rangers. I certainly expected, if, had the scoreline been the other way around, that probably would have been more along the lines of what I was expecting to happen. Um, but then 35 minutes in, 40 minutes in, you're sitting in Dreamland almost, getting like three and a half up against Rangers. Saw it the second half dead comfortably and you thought, right, maybe we're going to kick on. Um, then the midweek we went to Ross County, had no bad performance, but lost the game. Batterson Johnson did all right against Rangers at Easter Road, but lost the game. And then went to uh, Livingston's next game, and we were horrendous, like proper horrendous. And that was kind of the, the end for Jack Ross. So it's been totally topsy turvy. Eh? You don't care if you're coming or going as a Hibs fan at the minute. <laughs> we'll get into Celtic before we move into the talk about the final as a whole. Obviously, a massive win last night, a 97th minute winner from Anthony Ralston. Gave them a 2 1 1 against Ross County. Colin, obviously, Celtic are on this good run just now. They're scraping wins. There's obviously the problems with injuries, which we'll get into later on. But that was a massive three points last night, and it did look as if the fans really kind of that, that felt big. Definitely, I was I was at the game last night, and uh, I think from the point of Ross County equalising, 
just couldn't see where that second Celtic goal was coming from. And then going down to 10 men, you're thinking, oh, it's just that, that that's it. You've lost your opportunity. You're going to end up six points behind Rangers because they were winning at that point to nil. But it's uh, it's something that we've seen um, from Ange Postacoglu Celtic this season is that they just don't know when they're beat. They they keep going and keep going till the in this instance the ninety seventh minute. Um, even if there was only six minutes added on, that really seemed to trigger quite a few people yesterday. They don't quite understand that it's a minimum of six minutes added on, but we'll, we'll leave that there. Um, now Ralston, great goal at the back post, and it just shows the goals are coming from all over the team at the minute, especially with the injuries that Celtic's kind of gone through. So just grinding out the victories, as you said, I think eight out of the last 13 wins that Celtic have had have been by a one-goal margin. So yeah. they're finding that way to sort of play, uh, play play tight, play difficult and still get the victory. And you just wonder if that's how they play now, what's it going to be like when they get the players in in January, when they get the players back from injury. Uh, it's looking good and Sunday, hopefully, sorry, Matty, but hopefully Sunday's the, the icing on a, a well-deserved cake for Postacoglu this season. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was a, it, it puts pressure on Rangers as well. Rangers obviously had a 2-0 win last night against St. Johnston. Rangers kind of beginning to, I think, hit that kind of extra gear that kind of Hank Van Bronckhorst has brought in. Colin, would you kind of go along with that with what you've seen of Rangers so far this season? I know you, you do the kind of Scottish football show on your channel whenever I look at Rangers. They are beginning to kind of look a bit better than they did before Gerard left. That, they've definitely it? got that they've got that new manager bounce don't they you, you get that every time a new manager comes in and he has brought in some some fresh ideas um, the one thing that I think has been the key to his success so far is the fact that he's managed to get the best out of Alfredo Morelos mm-hmm. because when you look at it under Steven Gerrard's last couple of games he was almost like a holding midfielder the way he was dropping so deep into the park but now he's in the right areas he's banging in the goals and that's the Morelos of two, three seasons ago. That's the one that's kind of went missing for Rangers. Well, that's a good thing in the long term for Rangers is yet to be seen. Is that him playing for a move away? You don't know, but as if, if you're a Rangers fan, you don't really care as long as you're getting the points and as long as he's scoring, you'll, you'll take it at the minute, especially with how close the title race is this season. Mm-hmm. Matty, what your, did you have a nine Wednesday night? Any of the, the two results to the Rangers and Celtic caught your eye? Um... It was a big, big win for Celtic. It's funny because out of the two teams when I've seen them uh, at Easter Road, Celtic blew us away first half uh, at Easter Road. 3 nothing up. Could have been 6 or 7, to be honest with you. We were, Hibs were terrible, but actually Celtic's football was fantastic. It was The movement mm-hmm. was incredible. And then we we had uh, Rangers, Van Bronckhorst's uh, second or third game. Um, and what I noticed there, the difference between Van Bronckhorst's Rangers against Hibs than uh, Gerrard's was the the fullbacks sat much deeper. They weren't committing forward because that was kind of where Hibs had got uh, some success. So uh, you expect Rangers to win at home, um, you know, nine times out of ten. Um, some referees would have them ten times out of ten. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you you, you kind of expect them to win that. So it felt like a probably a bigger three points for for Celtic. Again, you'd expect Celtic to win at Ross County nine times, ten times out of ten as well. To be fair, but um, I think when you get a goal right at the death. That always feels bigger than a kind of comfortable 2 0. We'll obviously get into what's coming up this weekend, and there's a massive game. Obviously, the Premier Sports Cup final, hence why we're doing a special show. Before we get into that, Matty, I want to get your thoughts on this. Obviously, the news during the week was the sacking of Jack Ross last week, and then now it appears the replacement has been found in the form of former Celtic midfielder Sean Maloney. What are your kind of immediate thoughts to that? Do you 
was Sean Maloney kind of mentioned beforehand and did it come as a surprise and what's your kind of overall thoughts on it as a whole as it, when it comes to a Hibs team? Obviously, he's not going to be in charge on Sunday. We, not, we understand. It looks like he's going to take over on Monday. Yeah. Um, I, think it was, I think it was the right time for Jack Cross to go. I was a big fan of Jack Cross. Um, so he did a good job at Hibs overall and when he looks back, I think he could be quite proud of his record. But it was the right time for him to move on. Um, Maloney's name came up kind of early on but I never ever expected him to think about leaving Belgium. To be fair, I think he's he's had um, he's been quoted as saying he, he wanted to go to the World Cup with Belgium and see out of time there and, and not consider leaving early. Um, and there was a name that kind of came out of the blue. Now I'll get the pronunciation wrong because I'm an idiot, but I think it's Shell Knutson, um, yeah, who, who I think is a Nor- Norwegian, um, who who was who seemed to be like a a popular choice amongst the Hibs fans. Um, and then Sean Maloney was getting reported as, as being kind of close to having uh, agreed terms. My initial reaction, I, I was probably a little bit underwhelmed. I, I have to say, like, having seen Sean Maloney on sports scene and things that, I've never really found him that um, engaging. However, I, I, as I do with these things, going to kind of dig a, a little bit deeper and scratch the surface and found out a bit more about him and his coaching um, philosophies, etc., and his coaching background. And actually, it looks like a quite a brave appointment by Hibs and one that I'm quite excited about as long as I don't have to sit and listen to him. <laughs> Colin, obviously Sean Maloney's well known to Celtic fans and obviously they're great career there as a player but he's went into coaching obviously at a, a high level with Roberto Martinez who was who was his manager at Wigan at Belgium and he's obviously been well thought of there. What's your thoughts to this? Because it, inter- it is interesting. It did kind of come out of left field when we heard Maloney was in for the Hibs job. I think he was linked with the Aberdeen job earlier in the season as well. Um, right about when, in fact, last season when Stephen Glass got appointed the Aberdeen manager, um, and that was that was one that I thought I could kind of see because I think he's got a bit of a background up in Aberdeen. Maloney, um, going into Easter Road for me, it's a big, big opportunity for him, but it's a big kind of undertaking he's he's got um, with this role. When you look at it, yes, he's got the coaching experience of being the number two at Belgium, but for me, that's a bit. And we were saying before we came on air, it's the difficult step up from being the assistant manager to being the actual manager, having the full control of everything that's going on. We understand that it's going to be Gary Caldwell, that's his number two. And Caldwell's not exactly had the best managerial experience himself. So it'll be an interesting one to see how it develops. Hibs really can't afford to get this one wrong because you're starting to see Aberdeen clicking into a bit of a gear. You're seeing Dundee United. Um, you don't want to end up in the bottom six this year because the Hibs have got a team that's good enough to be up there sort of pushing for the European places, if not sort of solidifying European places. And Jack Ross, he just wasn't getting the best out of the players. And for what reason, I really don't know. The, the, the question I'd be interested in asking you, Matty, was you look at Caldwell. Caldwell's coming in as part of the City group because he was the loans manager there. Do you think that was something he taps into in January if they do get the job and you might see some exciting city youngsters coming up to Easter Road? Uh, I'd hope so. I'd hope so. Um, we've had a wee bit of joy from uh, City Loans in the past with Brandon Barker for a season under mm-hmm. Lennon. And he was excellent. I had something that really kind of kick on when he went to, uh, to Rangers. And we had uh, Thomas Agapong, yeah. who mm-hmm. uh, was really exciting as well. He just injured a lot, which was a, a shame because when he was when he was fit and playing, he was exciting to watch. Um, I hope Caldwell and I hope Maloney can kind of tap into the contacts that they've, they've got. I would imagine they've got um, quite a decent network now between them. 
uh, to start bringing players to uh, to Hibs. But I, I don't know. I don't know whether Man City will see Hibs as a, a kind of useful stepping stone for some of the players. During the likes, obviously, with Jack Ross, I know that kind of, when you speak to kind of with a few of Jack Ross's kind of players who've been with him at St Mirren and things like that, they speak very highly of him as well. That they say he's, he's very he's very focused on like man management. Do you think that was maybe a problem at Hibs? Like, what do you think was the reasons it went wrong? Because at the start, it went so well at the start of the season, it just seemed to fall off a cliff. The biggest problem for Jack Ross was the squad size. Um, so I think it. If I, if I was being totally objective, I think he should have got more out of the squad that he had. But if you look at um, when Christian Deutsch got injured um, and Kyle McGuinness got injured, yeah. two really significant players for us, and we didn't really have players to come in and replace them. Uh, he wanted a centre-half and a striker in the summer window. That that was kind of his two priority positions in the club. Let him down. They brought in Nathan Woods from Middlesbrough on loan uh, at England under-20 international he played one game and he's way back to Middlesbrough already. And we brought in um, James Scott as well uh, up front, who has done nothing. Absolutely, I think he started one, maybe two games, um, got in trouble for, for not being fit. And, and so I think Ross's options were really limited. He had to play the same players, whether they were in form or out of form. Uh, there's players playing through injuries just because once you go past our first 11, there's not a great deal of quality on the bench because the squad is so small. I think if you look at the first 11, there's a decent team there, but you take one or two of those players out and uh, you start to see where the cracks are at Hibs, and that was what Jack Ross struggled with, ultimately, I think. You know, for me, watching Hibs over the years, the thing that's always sort of supplemented the first team has been the exciting youth academy, and I don't think Jack Ross really gave a lot of young players a chance. Do you think there's maybe with the likes of Maloney coming in, who's worked with the, the youngsters at Celtic and then at Belgium, Gary Caldwell, who's who was known at Partick for giving the younger guys a chance. Do you think you maybe see more of the academy players coming through at Hibs now? I think so. I mean, to be fair, Jack Ross, he, he used Josh Doig a lot. So Josh Doig came in 19. Yeah, he was the sort of star, wasn't he? He, he, he broke into the team and he's, he's been playing consistently this season. Uh, laterally, Josh Campbell was coming into the midfield. Um, I think he came in first, second half against Celtic when we was doing nothing down and probably helped shift the momentum in that game a bit more in in Hibs' favour. Um, I think the biggest problem with Hibs, again, it comes back down to squad size, is that um, the separation of the squads for COVID meant that we've not been able to take players who are needing to supplement the numbers in the youth team out of that training, out of the training bubbles, etc., into the first team to then uh, to, to play them. So I think that's caused them some problems and might explain why we never saw as many youth players. But then they had, you look at Jamie Gullen up front for, uh, for Hibs, He's been fit and available for the majority of uh, the season, and he's not had a look in Kevin Nisbet, even an unfit Kevin Nisbet, has been preferred uh, up front to to someone like Jamie Gullen. So, um, I, I hope so. I think Hibs fans, we like to see young players coming through. We like we have a bit of a reputation for it, which maybe isn't quite as deserved as it used to be. Um, we kind of live on past glories with sort of the golden generation of Brown and Thompson and Riordan, etc. But I suppose every football club's the same. You like to see your young players coming through and getting a chance. It's kind of an interesting point when you, you mentioned about squad size, and this is what I'm kind of keen to get Colin's thoughts on this. When you look at Celtic just now, Matty made a good point about taking a couple of players out of the team, and it, it looks quite weak. Yeah, Kyogo and Jota, when you take them out of the team, it does up front, particularly, it does look as if there's a massive kind of lack of squad depth. And I know that was obviously 
coming at the start of the season. We saw that Postecoglou was going to need a lot of players. Is that a concern? Is that a concern now? I know I don't know if I don't know if Kyogo's going to be fit for Sunday. I don't know officially if that's the case, but you obviously want your big players on that occasion, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, you look back the last time Celtic made the, the league cup final, uh, we started losing Morgan up front. Um, yeah. And then you had to bring on someone like um, Odson Edward later on that turned the game. So having a, a kind of pivotal uh, forward line for a game like this is, is so, so important. Last night, obviously, Leila Bada played through the middle um, and we saw glimpses of what he can do. Obviously, it was a good finish from him um, and he was doing the kind of dirty work that Kyogo does and not the kind of dirty work where he goes down. That's not what I'm referring to before somebody <laughs> jumps on that. Um, but more the chasing down the, the back four, chasing down the goalkeeper, forcing people into mistakes. We saw that certainly in the first half from Abada. Second half, it sort of tailed off as Ross County came more into the game. And it's that's the way that Ange plays football. Like We are the high-pressing team. That's the, what we've been known for this season. When you take Kyogo out the side, he's, you just don't have that. A Yeti tried it, got himself injured. David Turnbull was playing through the middle. He's not the quickest player at all. Abada offers that pace to do so. In terms of squad depth, it's not as bad as it was at the start of the season. Yeah. When you took someone like Kyogo and McGregor out of that team, Celtic collapsed earlier in the season. They, they, I mean, that performance away at Ammonville kind of summed Celtic up without Kyogo and McGregor in that team. But now we're suffering probably the same amount of injuries as what we had before, but we're finding ways to win because the players are more adapt to the system now. You saw Juranovic playing right midfield yesterday, who's played right back and left back for Celtic this season. Yeah. Liam Scales at left back playing that sort of inverted fullback role. The team are starting to know how to almost play every single position in Ange's style of football. So probably not as bad off now, but in terms of actual depth, if we pick up another injury or two, even on Sunday, you're sitting kind of looking at the bench going, well, who do you throw on? Yeah. Matty, this is obviously, we'll, we'll talk a bit about how the both teams got to the final. Obviously, Hibs were a 3-1 win over Rangers. It was a Matt, obviously Martin Boyle hat-trick, but absolute brilliant performance of Hibs. What impressed me that day was, obviously Hibs went three up and made a massive kind of fast start, but the way they controlled the game in the second half, I thought was impressive, particularly that back line of Hanlon and Portis, who I think were, both of them just had outstanding games. Was that semi-final just a, a sign of just how good this Hibs can team can be on their day. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a fair observation. Um, I suppose the dilemma with Hibs is getting that consistent, uh, consistently from them. Um, the back line, we, we, we've shipped goals all season. Uh, I think the Dundee game in midweek was our first uh, clean sheet in months and months. We, we just uh, we shipped goals, we shipped goals across in particular. Um, and that, that sort of feeling has been the downfall with the side uh, this season. We brought in Lewis Stevenson, um, Josh Doig has been ill, and actually that, that made the defence look a bit uh, stronger. Maybe you give up something going forward when you play Stevenson, but defensively he's, he's probably a level above Josh Doig. Um, I, I wish I could say what Hibs team would turn up on Sunday. I think if we, if we go and play like we did against Rangers, which was a surprise, um, we've got half a chance but again I think it's, Hibs' main focus will be initially containing Celtic I think with Rangers we tried to give them problems straight away and we were on the front foot and kind of caught them a wee bit off guard 
I don't think we'll take the same approach with uh, Celtic. I don't think we're able to take the same approach. I don't think Celtic have the, the same frailties at the back as Rangers do. Colin, obviously Celtic got there with a 1-0 win over St Johnson in the semi-final. James Forrest again coming to the aid with a massive goal. How big is that kind of big game experience like Sir Forrest has, Rogic, as you mentioned, McGregor? They're big players on occasion like this, and it's going to be key to have kind of... Obviously, Rogic was rested last night with obviously a beauty Sunday. These are the type of games some of these Celtic players kind of relish, aren't they? Absolutely, and they are the sort of last resemblance of what Celtic side dominated Scottish football for nine years. They are the sort of key figures to that. Tom Rogic, especially the, res- the resurgence of Tom Rogic this season under Ange Postecoglou has been incredible. Jenkins Ange knows him well. Like Jenk, that's or Jenk, there's just been a kind of added motivation for Rogic. I think there's a bit of both in there. I mean, you look at it last summer or last was it last summer last January? He was close to making a four yeah, million pound move to yeah. Qatar. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but at that point, his Celtic career looked dead. He was always known as a sixty-minute man because he couldn't get past sixty minutes in a game. Now you're seeing him play week in, week out sometimes three times a week playing the 90 minutes and he doesn't seem to chuck it. I mean, look at last night, yeah, okay, he came off the bench. 97th minute, he's still putting a crossover. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So there's there's a lot more you're getting out of him now. There was kind of talk pre-season that he'd lost some amount of weight because he knew Postacoglu was coming in and he knew the kind of style of football that was coming in. Whether that's a, a view on what the previous regime was like and you could get away with that or whether yeah. it's just that he kind of gave himself a kick up the backside and went, right, I, I need to turn my career around. But it's, it's definitely worked. And you look at his stats and his, his stats aren't being great this season, but it's what he brings to the team. I've always said there should be a second assistant football because it's not always the, the final pass that leads to the goal. It's maybe the pass beforehand. Mm-hmm. You take a look at Celtic's first goal uh, last night, McGregor's ball into scales, absolutely splits that Ross County defence open. Scales puts it across and Abada puts it in. Scales and Abada get the credit for it, but it all comes from the pass from McGregor. And that's what Rodgick's been doing so well this season. Matty, you were talking about the game earlier on at um, Easter Road, which I have to say might be one of the wettest games of football I have ever been to. I was absolutely I agree with that. Walking yep. in there. That was ridiculous, man. Um, but Rodgick plays the pass through. Um, I can't remember who he plays it to. Maybe it is Abada. And the, the ball comes across and Kievo gets the tap in. It all comes from Rogic splitting that defence open. But you don't get any sort of credit for it. You've got to be watching what Rogic does to understand how important he is to the Celtic side. And last night, we just didn't have anybody that could cut open defences. And you saw it, it took for Rogic to come on, even when Celtic went to 10 men, for the creativity to come back in the second half. So he is so important to that team. And having that winning experience at Hamden. Will be will be massive having McGregor and Rogic available because there isn't many others on the team that have got that experience. Matty, what about Hibs? Obviously, the last season with the, the Scottish Cup final defeat against St Johnson, is there a sense of redemption with Hibs fans that this could be the moment to to kind of avenge that defeat? Hope so. Um, I mean, it was a, a huge letdown, and it was probably for a lot of fans the final nail in the coffin for Jack Ross. And he, a lot of fans didn't forgive him for that uh, that performance because Hibs were, I mean, it was horrible, ho- horrible, horrible performance to, to turn up as clear favourites uh, against a St Johnson team that, and fair enough, they won both cups, but they weren't a great team. Do you know, they're, they're no great team this season. A few good players in there. Most Hibs fans went in that game expecting to, to win it and put in a performance, and we just didn't turn up. Um, 
I think when we got back to to Hamden, my my worry is that we see that game as a redemption. Do you know that that yeah. was our first our, our first attempt back, a game we weren't expected to win, and we turned Rangers over. My worry is that a lot of the players go, right, well that's that's levelled it, and they didn't have that same kind of fire in their bellies going into the final. I hope with a a full stadium or almost full stadium, I think a lot of folk are kind of trying to make up their mind whether they're they're going to the game now. Um, and a, di- a different atmosphere. I-, I hope that kind of gives everybody a, a-, a lift and the kind of the- how you see impact in their performances. When you're looking at it from a Celtic perspective as well, this when the past before season before last season, Celtic and I caught five seem to go hand in hand. I mean, they won eight of them, but this is this is a different for Celtic now. There's there's a new manager, there's a new kind of vibe around the club that is this is massive for Celtic, isn't it, to get back to Hamden and get into a I've got final again after a disappointing season last year. This is the end of Posta first chapter at Celtic. Yeah. We always spoke about how um, when Lennon left the club, that was the end of the, the sort of nine in a row era. That was the end of the quadruple treble era. And there'd be new chapters written. And Posta came in and this is a, his, his chance to kind of put a stamp on what is that first spell, that sort of summer to January spell. Can he win the cup? The one that, that kind of sets you on your way. Um Celtic and Cup finals, as you said, they used to go hand in hand. Last year we didn't have any, but football was so different last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're kind of going back to to Hamden, going well. It's just the way it's been over the last couple of years, and it is almost a, a privilege as a Celtic fan that you're, you're able to do that. Matty, obviously, you know Jack Ross getting to the semi-finals and then not kind of getting as far as that when arguably probably should have done. If he looks back on his Time at Hibs, it'll be the one thing I think he should have done a bit better is getting out the semi-finals. But it's going to be a great occasion. Um, and some people will say, well, if Celtic win, it's just going back to the way it was. But it's not really, because this is a new era at Celtic. And if they pick up the trophy on Sunday, it's a great way to kind of put your mark down on that. You've, you've kind of put this one in the bag. The Scottish Cup will come in the new year, and then you focus on the league as well. My Hibs, obviously, the David Gray is going to take charge as a, the interim manager for this game. Do we think he will set up the way Hibs usually set up? He will obviously want, want to play a bit of the ball. Do you think David Gray will be more cautious in his approach for this type of game, obviously, because it has a one-off cup final? Um, I don't expect this to be much different to how we set up. So I've seen the last two games that, um, that we've played. There's been no... No real change in personnel, no real change in formation to how we were doing under Jack Cross. There's no really been a huge difference in the style of play either. Um, I think it'll be much much the same. I think we'll probably go in with a similar approach to um, how we played against Rangers. A, a lot will depend on fitness. Uh, players in Nisbet went off injured on Tuesday night. Uh, Chris Cadden went off injured on Tuesday night as well. Um, now, Cadden in particular, if Cadden's fit, Martin Boyle will probably play through the middle mm. uh, with Nisbet. I think if Cadden's injured, we might see Dodge go up front with Nisbet and Boyle uh, will go out on the right. I think I would probably prefer that. Uh, I think we play better under under that system than we do with uh, Boyle through the middle. Um, and that, that's probably the decision that, that Gray will have to make, whether he, he sticks with, with what he started with before if he can, or whether he shuffles the pack a wee bit and brings uh, Dodge in and, and pushes Boyle out wide. From a Celtic point of view, Colin, what's how do you think Celtic are going to set up? What's your kind of thoughts in the lineup? Could 
Taylor and Rogic kind of stick on to the playoff after being kind of rested last night? I'm not 100% sold on Taylor. Um, I think Liam Scales has come in and done a very good job. And it would be kind of harsh after the performance last night for him to, to drop out. As you say, that may be that it was just because that was an option there that he was rested and you'll see Greg Taylor come in. But he's only played 90 minutes since he's come back. Mm-hmm. He's not necessarily been 100% there. So I wouldn't be surprised if you saw Liam Scales start at left-back on Sunday. Um, looking at it, I think that the back two of um, Starfelt and Cameron Carter-Vickers, they've been a, a stick-on for Celtic this season, and it's great to have that solidity at the back, considering what we went through last year in terms of centre-halves were chopping and changing every other yeah. week. Um, at right-back, the decision will be whether to go with Ralston or with Juranovic. Um, either or, to be honest. I think, depending on who's available, you may see both of them play, just like we did last night. Um, with Ralston maybe at right back and Juranovic further forward. In the midfield, the three kind of pick themselves at the minute would be Ton, McGregor and Turnbull. One thing I did notice about them last night, though, was they were very fluid in their positioning. At times you saw David Turnbull as the centre defensive midfielder and near Beaton was actually the furthest midfielder up the park and it really confused the Ross County defence. They didn't know where to pick up and who to mark. And it was working really well. It sort of stopped in the second half, but that first half, they, they really cut them open. So I think that's your three in midfield. And then up front, well, it's, a, it's a difficult one. Um, Adam Montgomery was given the nod last night, but I don't think he'd done anything to say that that jersey's his for Sunday. Um, will Kyogo come back into the frame? Will Forrest come back into the frame? Jamie will go straight in if they're fit. If they're fit, yes. Absolutely, yes. If they're fit, then my forward line would be Abada Forrest and Kyogo. That would be my forward line if they're both fit. Um, I think it's... Obviously, you've got the game against Rangers coming up on the second, which is a massive, massive game. If it goes ahead, I mean, who knows what's going to happen in this current climate. But if you're taking it as a 90 minutes and a 90 minutes that you've got to win, if they've got the chance of playing on Sunday, you absolutely play them. Um, For me, looking at the Hibs team... The biggest concern for me is either Martin Boyle, who I'm a massive, massive fan of. I think he's a a very, very good player. In fact, if I had the chance, I would definitely pick him up at Celtic. Um, Or, and I didn't think about this until Matty mentioned it, Christian Deutsch, because I think he's just got the ability to sort of kind of make a nuisance of himself amongst the the two Celtic centre-halves. Cameron Carter-Vickers is more comfortable fighting against the sort of bigger man, but Starfelt has shown earlier on in the season he's not overly comfortable in, in those battles. So if he, if Deutsch gets any kind of joy out of the two of them, um, you're just looking at the players that's following up behind that to, to help him out. So, yeah, I think it'll be an exciting cup final. I don't think Hibs will sit in. I think it'll be very end-to-end, um, and I think it'll definitely be one for the neutrals. My, who kind of worries you? Who's the kind of danger man for Celtic, do you think? Who's the, the one that you think Hibs need to watch out for? Uh, how long have you got? Um, <laughs> I, I think, well, you highlighted Rogic uh, earlier on. Um, the game against the Roads, when we brought on Josh Campbell, Campbell kind of went up against Rogic and kept him a bit quieter than he had been. But he was running the show before he always has a good game against Hibs. And then anybody in that front line, I mean, Celtic were frightening at times on... Uh, at Easter Road, uh, really one of the best performances I've seen for for a long time. Um, 
Actually, you could, I mean, you could honestly take care of your pack. I like Turnbull. I like Turnbull's always a threat. He's got a, a good shot from him. Uh, McGregor. I, I mean, on, honestly, I could just sit and, well, I couldn't name the whole Celtic squad, to be fair, but I could go through like five or six of them and you think all of them are capable of, of causing the Hibs damage. I think where we're, we might be all right is that Celtic didn't tend to score too many goals from what I've seen from the wide areas coming in, but just like a cross and a header. They tend to work the ball well into the into the box and Hibs defended quite well against Rangers when they were trying to do uh, do the same. Hopefully we've learned um, from the game against Celtic East the road that that's the way we need to defend to, to have any joy. Um, I, but I, I think if, if Celtic are on their game, it's going to be a really tough 90 minutes for Hibs. Colin, where do you think the game will go on and lost? I think Matty's not too too far wrong there. I do think it's going to be sort of where you play Celtic. If Celtic are forced to go wide, um, at times you've seen the crosses haven't been great. I, I go back to the, the two games against Livingston so far this season, I think there was about 86 crosses and we didn't score a single goal. So, uh, and that, that's not even a joke. That Generally, it was about 86 crosses, do you know what I mean? Um, Celtic's best play so far this season has been cutting open defences and finding that ball through. Tom Rodgick's going to be a, a, a massive, massive telling factor on where this game goes on Sunday. Um, if he can get in behind, if he can get whoever's playing up front one-on-one with either Hanlon or Porteous, then I think it could cause Hibs a lot of problems. I'd I, probably risk the wrath of a lot of Hibs fans here and probably Matty as well, but I think if you get any forward with a bit of pace, one-on-one with Ryan Porteous, Ryan Porteous is in a lot of trouble. Uh, I think he's just kind of so adverse to putting himself into situations he doesn't need to be in. He gets himself tangled up. Um, And when I go back to that game at Easter Road, I thought he was at fault for maybe one or two of those goals. Yeah, he got a goal, but... Two of them definitely, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, Celtic obviously highlighted him as the the kind of weak point in that defence and it worked for them. And I know he, he's obviously still a young boy and he's still coming through, but I just think the hype on him at the minute is just a bit above where his station is. I think he's got a bright future, but he's still got a lot, lot to learn. My, I'm, I'm keen to get your thoughts on this because I'm not like, what is the, the opinion of Ryan Porteous within the Hibs, the Hibs support at the moment? Very highly rated. It's, so what, what you'll get, one of the boys on the Long Bias podcast, Colin, uh, it's called him a couple of times for being at fault for goals, and he seems to get like a bit of a free pass for uh, a lot of the Hibs fans. Uh, my view on Porteous is that when he plays well, Hibs play well. There's him and Boyle, who are absolutely integral to Hibs' performances. Yeah. I think if when Boyle's on his game, we've got a great chance. If you keep him quiet, Hibs are pretty poor. And defensively, when Porteous plays well, I mean, there are times where he's an absolute rock, and and one on one, sometimes he gets caught out. But I think that's the same with most defenders. There's no very mm. many defenders who are always. I mean, you get your Van Dykes and what have you in the world who they win pretty much every battle that they're in. But Porteous has got a really uh, good success rate, and I think between him and Hamlin, they've got a good understanding with each other most of the time. Um, and they tend not to get into positions where they're getting faced up one on one that much as a result of that. Um, Porteous has got a great future ahead of him. Uh, I think he, he's a, a really good player. A good footballer as well. I think he learned a lot, um, ironically, from F.A. Ambrose um, for playing alongside him. I mean, Am- Ambrose kind of always got that sort of bomb scare uh, 
reputation. I thought Ambrose was terrific, and you see Porches coming out of defence in a similar way that, that um, uh, Ambrose did. Um, I, he's destined for much bigger things than him. I think he's, he's, he's definitely up there as one of our best players. It was interesting to see the bid coming in from, was it Russia for him, yeah. for a million pounds? Uh, I mean, that that's derisory, right? There's, he's worth a lot more than that. But if there was, for example, he was to come out and say in January, right, I've had my time, I'm ready to go, what kind of fee would you think he would get? For me, uh, I was asked this before, and I thought somewhere in the region of three million pounds. It'd be about that, but between two and a half to three and a half, round, round about that. So I think, I think three, three million would be reasonable for him. I think he's just starting to break into the Scotland squad. I think once he gets games for Scotland, obviously that bumps it up. Um, but he's played every season in a team that finished third. They got to a cup final. They got to two others. Well, obviously you have to get to the semi-final to get to the final. Um, but I think he's played in four or five of the last domestic semi-finals that, 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 that have been there. Yeah. So his experience is, is clocking up. He's played in Europe and equipped himself well at, at that level as well. So I think three million would be reasonable. Colin, the Celtic fans, I would say, have really bought into Ange Postacoglu. And what would that, what would the first trophy this early on, would, what would that mean to the, the support and obviously for Ange's reputation? I think they would sing even louder. They would scream his name louder. They would find new songs for him. And he would definitely have a, an even deeper place in the Celtic fans' heart. Look, everybody's bought into, well, I'd say everybody, 99.9% of Celtic fans have now bought into Ange Postacoglu. And I think that grows week on week. Um, it's not just the style of football that he's putting out there. It's the way he handles himself. It's the way that he represents the club. And it's the connection that a lot of people at Celtic have with him because it, it feels as if he's just like a, a fan. It feels as if it's like you can relate to him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and he mentioned earlier on, we had the chance to... Um, interview him for a Celtic State of Mind as part of the fan media conference and one of the questions was asked to him about how he, he's found the reception from the Celtic fans so far and he says do you know I don't feel as if I've earned it yet I don't feel as if I've earned this adulation that I've received from the fans and I don't think he understands how much of a ruin Celtic were in you go back to that last game of last season and Matty obviously it was at Easter Road and finished 0-0 and that Celtic side, you look at it then and to you look at it now, the transformation that he's done in a number of months and the way that he's got Celtic playing, it, it has to be a, a, a rewarding thing. And I don't think he quite understands how much he's turned it around. So for him to finally get the, the first bit of silverware, I think he will see that as a, a sort of job well done for him. But then straight away, he'll be looking at the next 90 minutes. We've got uh, St Mirren the Wednesday night after that. That'll be his first thought right away. And that's the, the way he plays football, which is it is quite refreshing to see. But for the Celtic fans, I mean, he's already digging down as a, a bit of a cult hero, but he'll go down as a, a proper hero when he starts bringing home the silverware as well. Yeah, definitely. Matt, if I have perspective, how big would this trophy be, considering it's obviously David Gray is going to be the manager and it's... It's been an up and down season. How big would this be this early in the season? Massive. Um, th there's a, a fair bit of um, disengagement with the Hibs fans uh, at the moment. Like our crowds are down. Um, the football has not been great to watch. And there's definitely something needed to sort of spark us back into life. And you can't, can't really ask for anything more than a cup to kind of do that. The lift we got for winning the Scottish Cup for 2016. The, the kind of way we rode the crest of that wave for probably three years after it, uh, four years even, 
um, you know, the, the, it was a huge moment in time for the, the, the football club. We need something like that at the moment to kind of just invigorate it, get a little bit of spark back. And probably for Ron Gordon as well as the, as the owner, yeah. kind of give him a bit more credibility because people, because uh, we never had the best chance for window in January, there's, there are some question marks around his intentions. But I think as, as soon as you have a bit of success, folks start to, to buy into it. So um, huge for a number of reasons. And also to kind of bury that, uh, or put behind the, the kind of the poor performance last time we were in a cup final. Mm-hmm. Right, let's get into score predictions to close the show. Colin, what do we think is going to happen on Sunday? What's, what's, your, what's your thoughts? <laughs> Give us a wee prediction. I, I think it's still, I mean, obviously we're only a couple of days away from it, but it's still very difficult to see how it's going to go because I'm not sure which Celtic side is going to line up. Uh, we're hoping that we'll see maybe one or two of the injured players back in. Um, Keogh and Forrest hopefully being those two. If they come into it, it kind of gives Celtic an extra dimension in their forward line. Whatever the um, Celtic team goes out, I just know how, uh, Hibs are going to step up. Hibs will definitely step up to the occasion. Um, I've seen it most times that Celtic, Hibs have played Celtic over the, the, the number of years. Probably the one exception being that 45 minutes we discussed earlier on in the season, but there'll be a lot of players that will be looking to sort of right that wrong. Um, look, if Celtic get the first goal, then they could potentially make it a bit more comfortable for themselves. But the longer that it goes on tight, especially with the back end of the Hibs fans and the Celtic fans, it's going to be a, a very, very close game. Celtic have won something like eight of their last 13 with the odd goal. Um, so I'm going to go and keep it tight and I'll say Celtic to win 2-1. Big goal with Colin. My, what's your thoughts? Give us a wee score prediction for the, the Premier Sports Cup final. Uh, I, I think it will be... I think Celtic will dominate. They'll put pressure on Hibs. Uh, I think there'll be goals in the game. Two on Hibs. <laughs> Two on Hibs. And I'm going to leave my decision to the predictor we will put out tomorrow, so I'm not going to sit in the fence for the time being. We are going to obviously have continuous coverage of the, the Premier Sports Cup final. We'll cover it in the flagship show on Monday. Colin, Matty, it's been an absolute pleasure to be on the, both on the show. Thanks very much for joining us and I hope you enjoy the final. It's going to be a good watch. Thanks for having us. Cheers, lads. Thank you very much to everyone that's tuned in. Please subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channels and follow us on social media for consistent Scottish football content. Thanks very much, everyone. We'll see you soon. Cheers. (laughs) 